you for getting this week together. What a blessing. Man, we love our Conrad. I tell you what, your pastor has been a gift to me over these last 12 months especially. Uh, these last 12 months for me personally and our family has been uh, challenging. Uh, my wife and I, we have four children, but our oldest daughter, her name is Emily, and she's special needs. She's 20 years of age. When my wife was pregnant with Emily, Amy's water broke at 13 weeks in pregnancy. So from that point, for the rest of the time, she was in the hospital at Central Baptist Hospital in Lexington, Kentucky. And we did all kinds of experimental procedures and we went through a long process for Emily to be here. And Emily is one of a kind in the entire world. Emily has a chromosome 2 deletion and a chromosome 15 deletion combined. And that combination has never been seen in the entire world with what she has. She has a lot of limitations as she walked in the room tonight uh, 20 years old, she would light up this room like you can never imagine and who she is. But uh, last year, we were having lots and lots of seizures. And when she would go in them, she wouldn't be in them just three or four minutes. Sometimes she would have a seizure and be in them 45 minutes, an hour, two hours, three hours long. And it was a very difficult process. So we were back and forth in the hospital many times uh, last year. One of those times she was spending the week in Orlando at a seizure hospital. We're trying to get this figured out. And I take Amy and my daughter Emily, we check them in the hospital, and I don't feel very good at all. But we're checking them in, had a lot of pressure and just life in general. And left there, my other three kids are with us to love on them because we can't see them for the week and all that as they go through this stuff. It's a tough week, and I I'm leaving there. I don't feel good. I tell my kids I don't feel good. We grab something to eat. I said, man, guys, I don't feel good. I get home. I, I check my blood pressure because I, I just don't feel good. My blood pressure was just a tad bit high. It was 193 over 139. And um, I, I, just, I just felt so bad. Just had some issues. And I told my oldest son, uh, I said, uh, John Art, you got to take me to the hospital. I'm having a heart attack. So he rushed me to the hospital. I really thought I was having a heart attack on the way. Praise God, I didn't have a heart attack, but that started the next day. They had to put a heart pump in my heart to keep me alive because everything around my heart was completely broken just to keep me alive. And then had open heart surgery uh, that same week. And so my wife is in the hospital in Orlando with my daughter there. My older son's taking care of me, walking through this. And I want you to know, what does your pastor do? Your pastor just loves on my family and loves on me, encouraging me and just uh, uplifting me. So I want to tell you, thank you so much and for loving on me and taking care of my family. Here, here's what I know, church. And I learned it. By standing in the hospital room, all by myself crying out to God, just after a doctor walked out of the room, it said it doesn't look good right after Emily was born. It looks like um, we don't think she's going to make it, and there's a great chance your wife's not going to live either. 
And I'll never forget being in that room thinking, I really felt 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where Paul says, what I'm dealing with is above measure, above strength. Have you ever had one of those moments, it's above anything you can carry, anything you can do? But in the text of that scripture, Paul says, but I'm going to trust in the God who can raise the dead. I, I want you to know the night. I don't care what pain you're walking through, what issue you're dealing with, here's what God's taught me. I can trust in the God who can raise the dead and God only does what is right and God only does what's best. If I'm a middle school student sitting in this room, I want every middle school student to look at me. High school students, look at me. Middle school and high school students, go ahead and write it upon your heart and your soul and your mind and your very being that God only does what is best and God only does what is right. So when those moments come, you will lean in onto the God who can raise the dead. And when you lean on the, on the God that can raise the dead, you'll be astonished the power and the might what God can do. You've heard Stephen and Carol talk about what they're seeing happening. We got Glenn, our area missionary here. Let me tell you, it's amazing what the power of a mighty God can do. God is creator God. I mean, did you hear about Genesis 0, 0? Did you know what Genesis 0, 0 says? Nothing. But Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, what? God. God only does what is right, and God only does what's best, and we're going to trust in the God who can raise the dead. Amen. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take out your Bibles, and I want you to go to the very first book in the New Testament. If you don't have a hard copy, you can open it up on your phone there, or your tablet, whatever you got. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 22. As you go to Matthew chapter 22... Here's the thought on this last night of this mission conference. And I want you to get this. Are you honey or are you vinegar? Honey or vinegar? So let me ask you this question. How many of you like to eat something sweet? Anybody like sweets? All right, how many, where's my ice cream fans? Who likes ice cream a whole lot? All right, like ice cream a lot. Uh, chocolate chip cookies, who likes chocolate chip cookies? Chocolate pie, pecan pie, pumpkin pie. I mean, I mean, Milky Way bars. So here's what I want you to do. On the count of three, I want you to tell me your favorite sweet to eat in the world. I mean, what is the favorite sweet thing? I mean, it's Thanksgiving or, you know, it's... Uh, potluck time and the church brings all the desserts. I mean, what dessert? Some of you guys go get your dessert before you get your meal at a potluck. I know who you are. So on the count of three, tell me your favorite sweet in the world. Are you ready? One, two, three, say it. Wow. That was good. Uh, okay. If I were to go 
and knock on your neighbor's door tonight. Number one, would they know you? And number two, would they say you're honey or are you vinegar? I, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I get a biscuit, don't you like getting a jar of honey and you dip it in the jar and you take the spoon out and you just start... I mean, I, I believe in baptism of immersion, so I believe you baptize, you know, the biscuit, you cover that whole biscuit. How many of you have ever put vinegar on your biscuit before? Let's take some hot tea. Sometimes we put some honey in some hot tea. How many of y'all have ever put vinegar in your hot tea? Uh, did you know honey is talked about all throughout the Bible? Did you know uh, honey is mentioned in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers? I mean, the book of Numbers where you're just counting people The honey is talked about. Deuteronomy, Joshua. Why is it mentioned all the way from Exodus all the way to Joshua? Why is it talked about honey? Because it's getting us ready for the promised land. And when they're getting ready for the promised land, what did they call the promised land? It's going to be the land of what? All right, somebody asked me, why do they say it's going to be the land of milk and what? Why do they say it's going to be the land of milk and honey? Why is it going to be flowing with milk and honey? Why? Why? The honey is saying that it takes bees in the pollination and, and all the agriculture, all the stuff. This land that you're going to is going to be flowing and when you get there, it's going to be unreal that's going to be there because you know what? There's even bees there and there's going to be honey there because you know what? Of everything there. But why? Flowing with what? Milk and what? Oh, milk. Why milk? Because it shows the blessings. You know what honey shows? Honey shows the abundance of God. Uh, do your next door neighbors, number one, know you? And the second thing, do your next door neighbors see you as honey because they see the abundance of a living God through you? Let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go to Psalms 119, the longest Psalms. What does it tell us? The Psalms just tells us that the Word of God is like what? How sweet is the Word of God, it tells us. It tells us that the Word of God, as sweet as honey in Psalms 119. Can I tell you, can your neighbors say that you're honey or vinegar because in your life they see the abundance of God? Would your neighbors say that you're honey or vinegar? Do they see? The sweetness of God's Word in your life. Let's fast forward a little bit more to a man who made his diet on it. Let's think about the greatest man ever born a woman. And what's the man, the greatest man ever born a woman is who? John the Baptist. John the Baptist, the greatest man ever born a woman. And what did John the Baptist eat? Locusts and what? Honey. Honey satisfied his soul. All right, I want everybody to look here right at me. Uh, right here. 
Hey, you know what I used to do when my kids, parents, listen to this, when your kids are really little and you got to get their attention, this is what we always do. Number one, don't lure down on them like you're so big. Get right there on your knees. Get right there on their level. You put your finger out and you tell your kid, come grab my finger. And they grab that finger, then you pull them up really, really up close. So you don't want them looking that way. You don't want them looking that way. You want them right here at you. So let me, I want to ask you a question. I knock on your neighbor's door. I said, hey, do you, do you know the people who live in this house? Can, can you see the honey in them? And what's the honey? Can you see the abundance of a living God has radically changed their life? Can you see that in them? Oh, can, can, I, can I say this? Can, can you see honey in them that their words, when they're speaking, they have truth they have words of truth that it is the living word of God that is coming out of their mouth. I mean, they are full of the word of God. Can, could they say that you are satisfied? Or would they say, no, I think they're more like vinegar. I, I, I'm going to show you something. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Look at verse number 34. As you look at verse number 34, there's two groups of people in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. Can somebody tell me real quick, what are the... Read real quick in verse 34 of Matthew 22. There's two different groups of people, and what are those two groups of people listed in verse 34? All right, the first people, who, what did you say, young man? The Pharisees. All right. what, so we got the Pharisees on one side, Mr. Angry Eyes on this side. So what are the Sadducees or on the other side? The Sadducees are that. So let's read it, then let's talk about it. And then we're going to put in this picture. Jesus Christ is going to speak. Jesus Christ is going to speak in an incredible word. In the midst of us. Jesus is going to speak an incredible word in the midst of these two groups of people. Let's read it. Verse 34. But when the Pharisees, Martin, that word Pharisees. And, and when you think of Pharisees, I, I just want you to put an angry face. Just put an angry face. When you think about Pharisees, I, I, I want you to think rules. I, I want you to think, you know, see hair over the... Ears is sin in the heart. I, I want you to thank rules. I, I, I want you to thank rituals. I want you to thank, does anybody know these Pharisees are right here? How many different rules have they come up with? I mean, here we are. We got this group of people that hear about Jesus and Jesus. You got the Pharisees, Mr. Angry Eyes, people, the Pharisees, and they're doing follow all these rules and regulations. Does anybody in the room, how many rules do they come up with? All right, write this down, write this down. You've got to get this. 613 rules. 613 rules, but they divided those rules into positive rules and negative rules. They had 365 negative rules. So every single day they had a negative rule of something you're not supposed to do. They had 248 positive rules, and all those positive rules, every one of them related to somehow on your physical body what you're supposed to do. So when you think of the Pharisees, I want you to think about Mr. Angry Eyes. Remember Mr. Potato Head, you know, Mr. Potato Head, Mr. Angry Eyes. I want you to think Mr. Potato, I want you to say Mr. Angry Eyes, the 
Pharisees because they got 613 rules. I mean, they are angry. They're mean. They, they would have put Jesus in his place because Jesus is reigning on their parade and they don't like it. Uh, okay, real quick. Verse 34. What's our first group of people? They're who? The what? Pharisees. Pharisees. And what's our nickname for them? Angry eyes, mean, angry people. All right? Now, let's keep reading. We're going to get this. Uh, These Mr. Angry Eyes group, they got an issue. 613 law issue. Notice what happens, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced. Hey, hey, hey. Did did y'all see where Jesus just put the Sadducees in their place? I mean, Jesus, I mean, Jesus just radically put the Sadducees in their place. I mean, serious put them in there. I mean, they were asking Jesus and they were asking Jesus about marriage and they asking Jesus about who's going to be married and who's going to be married and this going to be married and who's going to be married. And I mean, and Jesus put them in their place. I mean, we have got an issue. Mr. Angry Eyes has got an issue because the, the Sadducees just got put in their place. So what do we know about the Sadducees? All right, put one word. So we got the Pharisees, they're the angry eye people. The Sadducees write this uh, two-letter word. You ready? I, I call the Sadducees the no people. N-O. Here's the reason why. They don't believe in angels. No angels. They don't believe in the resurrection. No resurrection. They don't believe in miracles. No miracles. They don't believe in the supernatural. No supernatural. The Sadducees, they're all realistic about everything that's going to happen. As a matter of fact, the Sadducees, they only believe the first five books of the Bible. After the first five books of the Bible, they don't even believe in the Bible. They're all this realistic stuff. But here's the ironic, crazy thing. The Sadducees really have control of the temple. They're over the temple mound. They're over what's going on in the temple for several hundred years. So you got the Sadducees on that side. They are the no people. So you got Mr. Angry Eyes over here, the 613 rule people on this side. You got the Sadducees on this side. And the Pharisees are scared because the Sadducees, Jesus just reigned on their parade. Jesus just put them in their place. And now the Pharisees go, we got a problem. We can't let this Jesus put us in our place. Then Jesus, oh Wow. is going about to say some of the most profound things you will ever read. They're so profound and they're so simple that we miss it. You know what Jesus does? Jesus takes the simple and drives it deep into our soul and it becomes profound. Let's start back, verse 34. You got the picture. You got the scene. But when the Pharisees, angry eyes, 613 rules, heard that they had silenced the Sadducees, the no group, they gathered together. Verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer. I don't know if we got a lawyer in the ring, but we won't say anything besides that. 
Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and say, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What is the greatest out of the 613? What's the greatest? Or could you go back to the Exodus to the Ten Commandments where you got the Ten Commandments? The first four commandments are all directed to God. The next six are directed to our relationship with him. So which one of these is the greatest commandment? Verse 37, first four words are extremely important. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus is God. Philippians tells us everything that is in God is in Jesus and everything that is in Jesus is in God because Jesus is fully God. God did not Create Jesus because Jesus is God. So Jesus, the Son of God, is about to speak. And if we're going to turn our world upside down, if we're going to reach Indonesia, if we're going to reach the nations, if we're going to reach our community, if we're going to fill up that football stadium in Georgia, if we're going to fill up that stadium... Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart. With all of your soul. And with all of your mind. This is the first and great command. Does he stop right there? Jesus could have stopped right there, but he didn't. Here's what I want you to get on this missions night. That we can trust in the God who can raise the dead... And we can take seriously verse 39 in our life. And the second is like it. Okay, I just go ahead and read the rest of it. Then somebody tell me what you're supposed to do. Can, can you all say that a little bit better? Verse 39 says what? You're supposed to love who? Love your neighbor as yourself. There's a really important two-letter word. Uh, let's read it. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor what? Can we just stop just a moment? You want a mission moment? Are you honey or vinegar? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Let's put it in a word picture. When I saw this word picture, 
I, it really, I, 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 church, I, I'm still getting my heart and my mind wrapped around this. I'm supposed to have as much energy about my neighbor as I am about myself. So in the last week, when you got hungry, what did you do? When you got hungry, what did you do this last week? Yeah, because you love yourself. This last week when you got up to that traffic light and the traffic light turned red and you stopped. Why in the world did you stop when the light turned red? No, why did you stop when the light turned red? Because you love yourself. Why is it that you go shopping and you want to buy nice things? Why, why is it we go shopping and we want such and such clothes and we want such and such clothes? Because we like such and such and we like such and such. But you know what this scripture is telling me? This is profound. Here we got Mr. Angry Eyes. We got the no group over here. And Jesus is reigning on their parade. And Jesus said it's not about 613 things. It's not about this. But here, here is the mission. You are called by God to love your neighbor as yourself. That means you're to spend as much energy and time and everything else loving them as you do yourself. Oh, I, I love one person illustrated this way. They said, picture this. Picture you tearing all the skin off of your body. I thought, well, that's kind of gross, isn't it? But they said, picture you tearing all the skin off of your body and then go putting it on your neighbor. I mean, go and rip everything off about you and go put it on your neighbor and put your skin on your neighbor's skin and to love them as much as you love yourself and to have as much energy for them as you have about yourself. And can I tell you why is that the case? Because every soul matters. What does it matter if you gain the whole world but you lose your own soul? So why are we supposed to love our neighbors? Why is this about Missions Week? Why are we doing this? Because every soul matters to God. And when is the command by God given? What are we supposed to do for our neighbor? We are to what? Oh, what we y'all can do better than that. We are to what with our neighbor? Have you ever heard this? You invite somebody to church. I'm not going to go to that church. There's just a bunch of hypocrites down at that joint. Oh, goodness. I get here, sick of hearing that, don't you? Because a lot of times Christians are vinegar and they're not honey. What do we need to do for our neighbors? Can I, can I give you three or four words? Will you write these three or four things down? You can type them in your phone real quick. Text them to each other. I don't care. Put these couple things down. If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, number one, you've got to notice them. We're really good in American culture that we really don't notice our neighbors in our, cult, our community very well at all. 
These guys, y'all been around the world, and I've been around the world many, many times. And when you're around the world, you'll see uh, every community is not like the American community and how our societies run and how we do stuff. But you know what? If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, you got to notice them. Not only do you have to notice them, second thing, second word, you got to go to them. If you're going to love your neighbor, you've got to know who you're to love. If you're commanded by God to love your neighbor as you love yourself, well, you need to know your neighbor in order to love them. In order to go to know them and to notice them, you need to go to them. And let me tell you the very first word that you say to your neighbor. You ready? I'm going to give it to you. This is going to be profound for you. You ready? You notice your neighbor. Now you're going to your neighbor. What in the world are you going to say? How do you handle it? I, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I, I've been passionate. I've been preaching a long time. I still get scared about it. What's the very first word? Are you ready? Here it is. Here's the profound thing. You notice your neighbor. Now you're going to go to your neighbor. Here, here's the first profound thing you say. You ready? Hello. Say hello. If you're going to love your neighbor as you love yourself, you've got to notice them. Not only you got to notice them, you've got to go to them and you've got to start talking to them. You've got to say hello. Step into their world. Step into somebody else's life. Let me tell you, we live in such a self-consuming society, self-consuming world. A lot of times people won't, won't, don't want to step in our life. Look at me. One of the greatest things that you can do for somebody is step into their circle and step in their world and say hello and start personally getting to know them. He said, how in the world am I going to do that? Well, it's really easy, and I'm so grateful that the state of Florida has made this law. That in the state of Florida, to live in Florida, that you have to have a dog. Everybody, I think, has a dog in Florida. I mean, there are dogs everywhere. All, all you got to do is to notice your neighbors that go to them. You know how I've gotten to know there's 12 houses on our street and Amy and I and the kids we know a, a lot of our neighbors and you know how we've learned most of them I knew their dog's name first before I knew their name <laughs> you, you know I, I, God convicted me about something this week about church we want church to be a pep rally and it is a pep rally but we want it to be a prep rally also that we're prepping you in just a moment. We're about to launch you out of here. Hey, this church, this is not the landing pad. Look at me. Church is not the landing pad. This is the launching pad. This is a place where you come and you're prepped and you're ready. Man, you energize each other. You encourage each other. Then you get launched out of this place. Love your neighbor as your what? Yes. Tearing the skin off of you and putting it on them. First thing, you got to notice them. Second thing, you got to go to them. Here's your third thing. Third thing, you need to help them. You know how you reach people, and this has always been my philosophy because it's what Jesus did. 
I believe we're going to reach a community by serving a community. You know, y'all do all kinds of service stuff, and our church does tonight, uh, as every Wednesday night, we fed over 800 people in our community tonight. We feed our homeless shelter. We feed homeless people. As a matter of fact, what we realize um, during the pandemic, a lot of our sister churches couldn't open up because they were in other denominations and their denominations wouldn't let them do it. So we were helping feed all of their churches. As a matter of fact, we would take our food team and we would go feed their community and sometimes they would charge. The, we were trying to help pay electric bills of churches and everything else just so they, their church wouldn't close. We're helping churches everywhere. Will you be willing to get in somebody's circle of life and help them? This morning I was going to church and uh, we, we do a Wednesday morning church service. We do a Wednesday morning church service at 10.30. So I was going to church this morning. I was walking down the neighborhood to get where I was parked today. And one of my neighbors stopped and we had a long conversation. He got... He was on his Harley and got ran over by a car and was underneath the car and six teenagers in the car behind and they picked up the car off of him to keep him alive but his arms all messed up so I was just praying over him. Hey, can I really ask you a personal question? When was the last time you noticed one of your neighbors needed help? You got neighbors that are in utter chaos. Apart from Jesus Christ, your life is chaos. You got neighbors that are so critical about the things of God. You got neighbors that are so inflexible about the things of God. But you know what they need you to do this week? On this missions night, I want you right here. Right here. The American church has played church long enough. All right? We, we've all run in our little buildings and we've all done church and we've all gone out and just keep doing our thing. Let me tell you, that is not, that is not how the New Testament church is written at all. Let's have some real talk about this stuff. Let's have some real talk. When, when you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, then you have the ability to love your neighbor as yourself. How important is it? Well, can we look at the next verse in the text of the Scripture? And verse 40 is going to tell you how serious this is. Don't miss the simple tonight. The simple is so profound. Let's look at verse number 40. On these two commandments... Every word matters in the scripture. Verse 40. 
on these two commandments, and one of those commandments, what's the first thing, church family? What's the first thing we're supposed to be doing? Loving God. Heart, soul, mind. What's the saying? Love our neighbor as ourselves. Let's look back at verse 40. So on these two commandments, what, what does your next word say in your text of Scripture? Hang. That's, a, that's an important word. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. What does it say? All the law and the prophets, everything hang on what? what? What is the foundation of these things? I mean, all the law, all the prophets, all the stuff that they said, all the stuff they've written, all that was done, all that was spoken, all that God did. All the law, all the prophets, everything hangs on these two things. And what does it hang on? Loving him. And you need to go love your neighbor what? Mm. So what's the Lord asking of you? When was the last time you tore off your skin and you go put it on somebody else and love them as much as you love you? We've been doing this challenge at our church and wow, it's amazing what's happening. It's amazing when you drive home, you just don't put up the garage door and you jump in your house as fast as you can and you disappear. It, it really is amazing when you... Hey, parents, you're on the ball field. One of the greatest places you can win the the Lord is right there shoulder to shoulder standing next to that dad as you watch your kid play baseball. I tell you what, I've seen some of the greatest moves of God standing in a ball field. I've seen entire families changed. Because here's a reason why. We love our neighbors wherever we work, shop, play, or eat. We love our neighbors. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read this whole text of Scripture all the way through. And then I want us to pray it back to the Lord. And I want you to first of ask yourself, am I loving the Lord God with all my heart, soul, and mind? Let's just have a Jesus moment. The second thing, let's take a moment and really ask ourselves, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I really honey? Remember, honey, abundance of the Lord. Honey, the words are so sweet. Honey, that it satisfied my soul. Can the, my neighbors see honey or do they see vinegar? Let, let's just read the word. Verse 34 again. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, 
which is the greatest commandment in the law. Jesus said to him, some of this, this needs to be your prayer in just a moment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That means I am satisfied in Jesus. It is not about a God substitute. I am satisfied in Christ. With all of your soul and with all your mind, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. Here's the mission. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So do you need to pray the first part tonight? The love with all your heart, soul, mind? Or pray the second part tonight that you're going to love your neighbor as yourself? Can we do something really special? We're going to talk to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We're going to talk to the one who bought you with the price of his son, Jesus. We're going to talk to the one that Jesus at the right hand side of the Father interceding for us right now at this moment. We're going to talk to the one that loves us more than anybody. And some of you in this room, you need to pray the first part. I got a love issue with you, Lord. Some of you need to pray the second part of it. I got a love issue of my neighbors. What, what's the Lord wanting you tonight? Let's pray together. Lord God, you are holy. God, you are holy and you are set apart. God, there is no sin in you. But we praise you on this Wednesday night that you became sin so that we might know the righteousness of Christ. And Lord, this is a serious moment. This is a come to Jesus moment. Jesus, you said something so profound and so true. Now God, tonight, give us grace. God, give us the grace. Give us the ability and the desire to follow these commands. God, just like in Acts 16 where you said, and you opened up Lydia's heart. God, open up our heart. God, when we open up our heart tonight to these great commandments.
right now as no one is looking around this room in order to love your neighbor as yourself, in order to be on mission, this is all about being on mission. If we're going to be on mission, if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, we have got to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, and mind. Right now, some of you need to take a moment and you need to pray back to the Lord right now. Dear Jesus, help me. I need to be satisfied in you and you alone. Lord, all the longings of my life need to be in you. My thoughts need to be consumed in you. God, I need you. I need to be all consumed with you as a living God. Right now, will you take a moment and pour out your heart to God and say, God, help me. Give me the grace. Give me, the, give me faith. God, help me that I will love you this way. You might say, Pastor Eric, I, I'm, I'm struggling and loving the Lord this way. If that's you, no one's looking around this room. Will you just acknowledge that? Just You can just... Just put up your hand right Pastor Eric, I'm the first one. I'm struggling right now tonight loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, and mind. Just put it up. Many of you, thank you for your honesty. God, help us love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. The second one is like the first one. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On this missions Wednesday night, how many of you acknowledge Pastor Eric? I'm really not tearing off my skin and putting it on my neighbor's skin and loving them like I love myself. How many of you in all transparency and just realness before the Lord tonight say, "I, I, I need some prayer about loving my neighbor as myself. If that's you, just put up your hand. Just Let's be honest. Let, we're not playing games. God knows your heart. Thank you. Will you, cry, will you pray that back out to the Lord tonight? God, we declare our total and complete dependence upon you. And Lord God, we need your help to love our neighbor as ourselves. God, will you please forgive us? Forgive us that we have made our homes just a sanctuary for us and not a place of a mission field for your kingdom. God, forgive us for not noticing the people when they walk in front of our house. God, forgive us for not even caring. God, we repent and we say, God, will you please forgive us that we get so much more consumed about our well-being than somebody else's well-being in their soul. God, we pray on this mission night That we'll love you first and foremost and we'll love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In Christ's name.
Amen.